again, everybody. Time once again for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, we are in it now. We are in the season. The season has begun, and we started it off with Ohio State playing a night game. Number two, Ohio State against the number five, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And this one, as we warned, might be a little annoying for a while and annoyingly close before Ohio State kind of pulls away. That seemed to be the case, but for a long time, didn't seem like that uh, the pulling away or even the catching up was going to happen. But uh, Ohio State comes away with a 21 to 10 victory at home, does not uh, cover the spread, although we're not uh, we're not big time gambling types, but uh, we're just throw it out, throwing that out there. Uh, the Buckeyes with a big second half and a big defensive effort throughout the game. Uh, big, big win over overall thoughts from you. Well, uh, for one thing, uh, my wife and I, we were actually down in Columbus for the festivities. We didn't actually go to the game. Uh, we didn't have tickets, but uh, I can I can assure you, uh, you and our listeners that uh, the varsity club is as excellent as it has always been. Uh, we were there Friday night, uh, Saturday prior to the game. Uh, I didn't get a chance to tell you this before we started recording. Uh, Mrs. Minnick and I had the opportunity to have a beer with Mr. Greg Eichenberg, father of Tommy Eichenberg. Very, very, I met nice. Mr. and Mrs. Eichenberg. Very nice people. Very nice people. Uh, very generous, uh, with their, with, uh, the beers that they gave to us, uh, and uh, well, that's important, it, exactly. But they uh, wonderful people. Um, and then, um, as far as you know, again, just kind of tailgating with with family and friends. Uh, watched uh, the game from our uh, Mrs. Minnick and I watched the game from our daughter's house where she lives off campus. Um, had a wonderful time down there. Uh, to I, I think uh, to the point, yeah, like. Uh, Ohio State not covering the spread, like you said accurately. Neither you or I consider ourselves to be on the, the gambling scene, and I didn't find it all coincidental the fact that Jim Trussell and the 2002 national championship team were in attendance. And this game certainly certainly reminded me a lot of Trussell Ball. Uh, just the whole vibe of you know the strong defense, mm -hmm. the strong special teams performance. You know, in terms of like Jesse Murko, I mean, he averaged forty-five yards a punt. The 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 defense was, I mean, like you said, they they played, you know, so well throughout the throughout the course of the game. I know we're going to talk about the game in great detail. Uh, and then in the offense at the end, you know, having to kind of grind it out to you know to make sure that they won the game. So I have no complaints. I know that there are a lot of people that are kind of. Oh, you know, the offense and this and that, in my humble opinion, you know, a win's a win, especially over a, let's face it. I mean, Notre Dame ranked number five going into that contest. You know, uh, I think uh, Notre Dame fans have a lot to be encouraged about for this season. I think they will be uh, definitely a, a very difficult uh, opponent for anybody. So I think Ohio State, they, the, the quality of opponent came out extremely well. Uh, we'll talk about it in much greater detail here momentarily, but uh, in my opinion, I think that was that was the kind of win that Ohio State. I think maybe a year ago they probably, you know, let's face it, they they may not have been able to pull that off a year ago. Yeah, it was a difficult game, and the the a type of game like this, it's first game of the year, so everybody's going to have some jitters. Everybody's going to, nothing's going to be as crisp as you'd like it to be. There's always issues in first games. A lot of times it comes with the tackling. We saw that right off the bat and it was, uh, you, you have to manage emotions for the first part of the game. And Ohio state did that. It had some opportunities, uh, scored a touchdown early, uh, and everything or scored a touchdown in the first quarter. And it was really for me, a game where the, Jackson Smith and Jigba injury changes the offense for this team because yes, there's a lot of talent in the receiving room, but if you lose two guys to the NFL who were starters last year, Jackson Smith and Jigba is your returning starter. He's the guy. And no matter how much talent those guys behind them have their first year starters. So they're going to make mistakes. We saw it in this game. We saw uh, there was one, I think famously maybe in this early in the, second half where Emeka Buka had a zone defense and 
CJ Stroud threw behind him because he expected his receiver to sit down in a spot in the zone. And he kept continuing his run across the field and that cost Ohio state uh, a possession there. They ended up, ended up, ended up having to punt, but um, there were situations like that throughout the game. I think where CJ Stroud's receivers maybe weren't exactly where he thought they would be. And the other thing is you look on the other side of the field, Notre Dame's best cover guy. And we had, we had a guest on here last week that said they've got a very good, talented cover guy as their number one guy. He doesn't have to cover Jackson Smith and Jigba anymore. Now he's on Marvin Harrison. And now your number two guy is uh, on an Egbuka and, and so on and so forth. So it, there is a cumulative um, sort of a snowball effect there mm-hmm. in, in terms of the coverage. So a lot of things affected this. I'm not really worried about the passing game at this point. They're going to have a couple of games where they're going to probably throw a crazy number of passes that they don't have to throw so that they can sharpen up that, uh, that part of their game for the big 10 season. Uh, but overall, uh, not a bad way to come out and beat the number five team in the country by double digits. And uh, if you look back at our uh, predictions, we were, we were way under everybody who bet the over, I think Joey Galloway had it as one of his locks for this week to bet the over in this game. Uh, that was a mistake because it was under. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you and I had we had identical OSU scores of thirty eight. They didn't get anywhere near that. Uh, and you will win this week because you had Notre Dame at twenty and I had Notre Dame at twenty eight. So we were we were both way over on both scores. And uh, so I tip my hat to you for being a little bit closer. Well, I appreciate that. Again, you know, I think. Uh, going back to what I, I said a few moments ago, I think the um, the offense, to your point, will be fine. And I, I think you raised some very good points about the the injury to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, all indications are that it's a hamstring injury that will keep him out a game or possibly two. If you know playing amateur doctor here from the com- uh, comfort of my home, I'm going to push for the two. Uh, simply because I would rather not rush back and cause an injury to become more of an issue, especially as the season progresses. That's not to disparage Arkansas State, which we'll be talking about in a little bit, or Toledo. But I think the the, the talent is you know well established in the sense of uh, you know I, I guess you could say maybe not well established. It's probably a bad word, but uh, but there's the reserves that are still developing as you, as you stated a few moments ago, these next few games is it, this is going to be prime opportunity for those receivers as well as the backups. Let's face it uh, to, to really, you know, gain some, some valuable game experience. If, uh, if the opponents are unable to keep pace with Ohio state, like, like most people are expecting. Yeah. And the other part of it too, is we found out just before the game that uh, Julian Fleming was questionable and he did not play. And uh, although Chris Fowler would have you believe that he was playing and and being ineffective, (laughs) 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 he did not play in the game. And and of course, Cameron Babb has had his setback. So your other experienced wide receivers weren't in the game. It was Marvin Harrison had a a really good bowl game. Uh, Igbuka has has flashed here and there. We know what he can do in the open field when he's got the ball. Uh, But it's going to it's going to take some time. You know, Chris Olave didn't set the world on fire his first year as a starter. He he grew into that position. He grew as he went along. So we're going to have to, you know, give these guys a few games to to sort of certainly find their legs. But, uh, you know, a, a, a good game from the Buckeyes. I didn't think that the play calling was particularly effective. Uh, Ryan Day is a quarterback's guy. Let's make no bones about it. He loves his quarterbacks. He loves his passing game. So he's going to call a lot of passes, even when he shouldn't. And even when he's come out all offseason and saying this team needs to be tough, be able to run the football. And uh, there were opportunities here to run the football. Did not really do much of that in the first half. There was an opportunity on a second and two to uh, you know to, to try to get some rhythm in the run game. But he went back to a, a passing play. And it was one where Stroud had to roll out. He, it was just a bad throw from CJ. He bounced it in there. And then on third and two they did try to run it and they came up a you know about a half a yard short so you know they weren't able to get things going but this is an offensive line too that you got you got some new faces in there you got new people in new positions or or people in new positions so let them find their rhythm and in the second half when he allowed them to do that it was extremely effective 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm very happy uh, that, to your point, um, and I know our our esteemed editor at Land Grant Holy Land had uh, comparable views and perspective about Ryan Day and the play calling uh, in a post on the website. Uh, and I, you know, we've we've often had that that same point, regardless of whether we're talking about the Notre Dame game. You know that Ryan Day has often leaned too heavily towards the pass, like you said. You know, a quarterback guy. Uh, that's something that he's familiar with. Um, the fact that he was able to recognize in the second half, let's take advantage of this offensive line that, yes, is still developing, but we have two quality running backs, uh, Travion Henderson, and I was very happy for Mayan Williams. Uh, you know, I think Mayan Williams is is often overlooked because, let's face it, you know, Travion Henderson, that home run hitter, uh, you know, there's a lot of you know, flash and dash, you, you know, like that, that, that is very attractive, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm always of the mindset that, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking your time and just slowly, but surely grinding an opponent down, wearing them out. And that's essentially what Mayan Williams did on his, on the, the run that featured him that, that uh, culminated in a one yard touchdown run that basically sealed the deal. Yeah. Uh, as the kids say, he's got that dog in him. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we come out and right away, Ohio State kicks off. We go on defense first. What we all want to see is Jim Knowles' uh, defense going to be any better. And right away on the first play, you get a, a short pass, a missed tackle, big, huge play. Uh, they tack 15 yards on the end of it for a pretty questionable blow to the head uh, call where. Uh, was that JT tool to Elomo out? Yeah. Out yeah. On that one? And he, he looked like he got around the shoulders and then the, the arm rode up as the player moved and sort of glanced off right. the helmet, but it wasn't like a blow to the head kind of thing. It was maybe one of those tone setting calls that referees uh, sometimes use to, to get people to, you know, be mindful of stuff, but it was a, a terrible time for Ohio state to suffer that. So, uh, but it, they bowed their backs on that one and, and didn't uh, give up another first down and, and forced a uh, Blake. Is it pronounced group or groupie field goal? The good, you're a very good question. I, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not. I'm not entirely. I'm not entirely sure. A lot of kickers don't have groupies, so <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, he he kicked a, a field goal from 33 yards, made it three nothing. Uh, the Buckeyes did respond before the end of the first quarter. Uh, Emeka Igbuka, 31 yard pass from C.J. Stroud and, and our. Our, uh, you know, our guest last week, we had a guy on this from from a Notre Dame blog who said exactly what Notre Dame tried to do: uh, make make Ohio State take a lot of plays to get down the field, uh, try to let them catch stuff underneath and make tackles. And and for the most part, I think that they executed that pretty well. But I also think that Ohio State played into that a lot. And uh, you know, he was convinced that Ohio State couldn't run on that front seven and. We saw differently, but, and even in the first half when, um, you know, when they only had a few rushing plays, they were still averaging five or six yards per carry, but then they just went away from it for too long. And, you know, it took CJ some time to sort of zero in. And and again, some of that was on his receivers and some of that was what, uh, you know, trying to adjust to what Notre Dame was doing, but to the credit of the offense, no turnover. So no, no interceptions or anything like that. We go into the second half, our second quarter with the Buckeyes up 7 3. Uh, Notre Dame comes down the field and takes a 10 7 lead on just, it was, you know, they're called the Irish and they do have the luck of the Irish. They make a big play on a tip, a ball that's tipped in the air. Receiver falls to the ground. That ball could go anywhere. The receiver can't go anywhere. He's on his back and the ball just falls to him. So they end up getting a big play on that. And uh, just a few plays later, they punch it in, and, and it's ten uh, seven, and that's how it was at, at the end of the half because Ohio State, a lot of uh, opportunities and not converting on third downs in the first half, and again a lot of pass happy, uh, some penalties that put them behind the chains a few times, and you know for example, Dewan Jones, I, I talked about in the grumpy old Buckeye had a hat trick of false starts in this game. It's not what you want to see from him. Uh, but again, first game jitters, good opponent. You know, hopefully that will straighten out before uh, he becomes the new JB Shugarts. Yeah, I, I I thought that was uh, 
quite accurate. Uh, you know, you don't you don't, you want to you want to be uh, compared to Pace. You don't want to be compared to Shugarts because mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely you know, there's a lot of Ohio State memories as it relates to uh, you know the, uh, you know the frustration that, that 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 all entailed. And I looked at this, you know, at this point, you know, by you know when go just before we move on to talking about the second half. Um, you know, the fact that the defense was making Notre Dame now, granted, they, they did drive the length of the field to, and like you said, you know, some very fortuitous plays that, that mm. aided them. Um, but the defense by this point had, by my estimation, had outperformed the offense in the first half, you know, by in terms a large of their, margin, yes, you know, by, by their overall play, um, you know, Tommy Eichenberg had had you know, one of his sacks in the first half, uh, you know, we were talking about the offensive line. They'd only given up a sack and they, and that was the only sack that they gave up the entire game to a Notre Dame. Like you said, you know, a Notre Dame defensive line that was highly touted. Uh, the offensive line had performed well. So I didn't have any sense of, you know, you know, foreboding doom uh, mm-hmm. at, at the first half. I looked at it like, okay, you guys are, this is a slugfest and this is that you are playing a game that is that is better for Notre Dame in terms of style, but I was pleased with the fact that Ohio State was hanging top. I didn't see mm-hmm. any, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, one of the concerns um, I think that a lot of fans had, you know, about uh, just the overall toughness that had been questioned throughout the offseason, not by Ohio State fans, but you know, by the opponents. You know, like ever since the the Michigan loss. Uh, you know, that was something that was very stinging to the pride of the of the program to have their toughness question. I saw in the first half that Ohio State was was willing to go toe to toe with a team that wanted to play a physical style of, of football. Yeah, I certainly there was no panic on on my part either. There was um, I mean, Tyler Buckner came out and I think he completed something like his first nine passes in a row. I, I I'm like this is obviously not going to continue throughout the game. This is going to slow down at some point he's going to come back down to earth and that did happen uh the Buckeye defense was very good on third downs in the first half which that was an enormous problem last year it was they would get teams in third and ten and still give up the first down and that would wear the defense out because you're out there maximum number of plays it's like you stop first down you stop second down you give up a conversion you stop first down you stop second down you give up a conversion and and that can be it's not only not only it wears you out physically, but it's also demoralizing for a defense to continuously not be able to get off the field on get off plays. But they did that in this game. And a lot of that came from uh, the breakout star, Michael Hall. Yes. Uh, I mean, we both missed, missed that one, yes. uh, you know, in terms of, and, and again, you know, it's, it's always a great thing to see new players emerge, especially, you know, when it comes to, big game opportunities. Michael Hall certainly rose to the occasion. Like I said, uh, you know, Tommy Eichenberg, uh, you know, the fact that, um, you know, when I, um, had the opportunity to, to meet with his parents, like I said, I can't say enough, you know, kind things about them. Uh, you know, then, you know, like a few hours later, their son goes out and, and has a monster game, you know, for a national audience. So, uh, you know, the fact that new players are emerging on this defense you know, is definitely something that I'm very encouraged as we progress throughout the, the throughout the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. And I remember our lead up to the season. I mentioned uh, Tommy was a player that I thought uh, Ohio State fans have been not very happy with the linebacker play for several years now. And I thought this is a kid who I think by the end of this year, fans will come to very much appreciate. And it, it, that might have already happened. Yes. Well, the, the the performance when you think about the previous game that he turned in in the Rose Bowl against Utah and then this game against Notre Dame I mean he's certainly again I I just think that uh it's amazing you know having a coaching staff in and Jim Knowles putting him in and and the other players on the defense in position to to be successful that they there was no panic there was no like you said no uncertainty uh, I think Tommy Eichenberg is representative of the fact that I think good things are in store for this 2022 Ohio State defense. Mm-hmm. The other reason I didn't panic at halftime either was that there were opportunities. There were uh, Noah Ruggles uncharacteristically missed a short field goal. 
there was an opportunity on, I believe it was a fourth and two on the plus side of the field. Ryan Day decided to punt, and that was uh, not typical, I think, of, of how he approaches the game. So I thought there were some opportunities missed in the first half. But um, second half came out, and we're sort of exchanging punts and possessions. And and finally, Ohio State breaks through as the uh, the Notre Dame defense decides to bring a little pressure on a, on a drive for Ohio State. And uh, C.J. Stroud said, hey, finally, I got somebody open behind the defense and throws to, of course, everybody's favorite pick to click, Xavier Johnson, 24-yard touchdown pass to make it 14-10. Uh, in the third quarter. And the thing about Xavier Johnson, we talked about him a few weeks ago when the news broke about the, the unfortunate season ending injury to Evan Pryor. And Xavier Johnson is one of these guys that when we talked about him before is all right, a former walk-on. I believe he's been elevated to scholarship. Mm-hmm. If not, he should be. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, is a guy that he could have he could have been playing at any number of MAC teams or other uh, other programs that offered him a scholarship. He chose to walk on, and by all accounts, is the kind of guy who is willing to do anything and everything. The fact that you know he was there to make that crucial play to put Ohio State in the lead, you know, for the duration of the game. The very next play. After the the after the the point after attempt, he ran down on special teams and made the tackle. So I mean, mm-hmm. like this is this is a guy that you certainly, you know, as an Ohio State fan, that you feel good about that he's actually getting an opportunity to shine. Like I said, in front of a national audience. Yeah, you read my mind uh, again as I was going to go there next. <laughs> the the big play on special teams, and he was asked about that uh, that following up the touchdown with the special teams play, and he said. Uh, that was my position. I was doing my job, you know, making my coach happy. <laughs> and uh, there you just, go. You just love kids that are like that, that just they're willing to do whatever it takes. And that's the mentality that you wish everybody has. Some sometimes star players don't necessarily have that type of mentality because they've been, you know, they've been singled out and, and pointed out as how special they are all their lives. But somebody like Xavier Johnson, who had to walk on and earn everything he's gotten at Ohio State. Uh, you just feel good for him to have a, a big breakout game like that. It's one of those guys you feel like he could play any position. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's definitely the kind of thing where obviously he's kind of settled in at receiver. He played running back in high school. That's why I, I thought that there might be a possibility that he could be called upon there, uh, depending on you know the depth chart. Uh, the, the fact that he's uh, you know a, somebody who is not afraid to you know, be a contributor on special teams in terms of, of kick coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think he definitely is going to be one of these guys that he's going to, he's going to be seen throughout the rest of the season for sure. Yeah. So he capped a 10 play 70 yard drive. That's when Ohio state really started to commit somewhat to the running game and say, all right, let's see if they can stop us. Uh, they hadn't really all night. The few times that they had run, uh, you know, they're, they would sprinkle in a, a Henderson first down run, He'd get four or five yards, which is good, positive yards, keeps you ahead of the chains, and then, you know, pass, pass. Uh, but now they they started to pl- call a little more running plays, and uh, it, it paid off for Ohio State. And then after a stop, they get the ball at their own five and go 14 plays, 95 yards in seven minutes, and Mayan Williams just bruising – defenders and running over defenders and refusing to go down and getting three yards when there's no yards to get and getting 10 yards when there's four yards to get Uh, just a, a monster performance from him and a performance that I think the entire team fed off of. And I love to see, I love to see those offensive linemen when they are making plays and getting in rhythm and they know that whatever they do, they can take care of their assignments. It was, it was really, Although it took 14 plays, it didn't seem that difficult. No. And we've talked about this before. One of the things we kind of alluded to Ryan Day's affection for the pass over the run. Uh, But one of the things we've discussed before on, on previous podcasts is I think one of the reasons why I am always such a strong advocate about running the ball, um, you know, especially in games like this is Sooner or later, you're going to be in a 
in a contest where you know you don't you have no idea like it, it might just be you know like the, the weather conditions you know especially in Ohio where it could be raining it could be snowing it could be doing you know any of the above <laughs> um and passing the ball is just that much more difficult and I'm always of the opinion that I would rather run the ball make sure that that you have established that part of your offense so when you need to do it that it's it's not a, as difficult so I think the fact that at this at this juncture of the game where you're trying to or you you have you have the the lead well established um that you're trying to you're just right now you're just trying to take as much time off the clock physically wear down your opponent the fact that they were able to get that that touchdown run from Mayan Williams like you said you know the the offensive line was feeding off of the performance he was giving and, and I think vice versa he was responding to the collective play of his linemen yeah I was hoping for a pick six to end the game and get a get a nice uh, late cover there but uh, <laughs> didn't happen a very clean game no you know from a turnover perspective not something that you would expect in a game uh first game of the year I watched I watched the Boise State game that night and I think they had four turnovers just in the first half. So. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't even talked I was going to say the the last night uh as we're recording this on Labor Day, so Monday night, uh you know, last night on Sunday night, the last 2 minutes the LSU Florida State game was just uh, I mean, a comedy of errors. I mean, just mm -hmm. for both teams it was like who wants to lose this game more? <laughs> um, you know, but you know be before we finish up Looking at the Ohio State uh, Notre Dame game, one you know a compliment to Jim Knowles, and this is something that you know unfortunately that you know we we grew accustomed to in the last few years is the lack of halftime adjustments. Not that Notre Dame was was running up and down the field in the first half on the defense, but in the second half, Jim Knowles and the defensive staff. They essentially clamped down on Notre Dame. They they had 72 total yards of offense, and they had no points. I mean, so to me, that speaks volumes about just the the, the coaching staff, the the fact that the players are buying into what they're being taught. You know, so that's why I I sit here with a great deal of, of optimism for the remainder of the season. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm hoping that. Notre Dame proves to be a very good team because that will bode well for what Ohio State was able to do in this game. So let's get to the stats a little bit. We'll talk about our picks to click. Uh, I had offensively Trevion Henderson and you had Marvin Harrison Jr. Now Trey Henderson had 91 yards rushing on 15 carries. No touchdowns, but 6.1 yards per carry. I'm going to count that as a click. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I would. Uh, Marvin Harrison was targeted 11 times with only five catches, 56 yards, uh, no touchdowns. I don't know that I'm on the fence about that one. I mean, he, he did have the second most amount of catches. He did have over 50 yards, only two yards after catch. I, you don't have to give it. I, I wouldn't, I okay. mean, to be fair, I mean, All right. you know, that's, I, I, like that's I said, I could go either way on that, but uh, if you say no, then, uh, then that, that convinces me. So, uh, no <laughs> click there. And I, Defensively, neither of us had a pick to click work. Um, I had Jack Sawyer, and he's not officially listed in the box score with any tackles here, uh, which surprised me actually. And uh, you had Tanner McAllister, who had one tackle and, uh, and no, no other passes right. or anything. Uh, but I think it it really bodes well for the defense that those guys didn't have to make a bunch of plays. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg was obviously the star, nine total tackles, two sacks. Uh, three tackles for loss and Lathan Ransom had a good game. Steel Chambers played very well. Mike Hall, we already talked about um, Hickman flashed at times. And, uh, you know, we saw some really good fundamental play from people. I, I remember there was a, a sweep in, I believe it was the second half where Jack Sawyer set the edge and that play went nowhere. And that was a, the type of play that gave Ohio state fits last year. Exactly. I, I like I said, I think the fact that uh how nice it was that you know some of the some of the people that you know you would uh I guess you could say we're not expecting like we we, we spoke earlier about Michael Hall, you know, the breakout performance, the fact that Tommy Eichenberg, who had uh you know 
been criticized so much, you know, that he had such a, a strong game. Uh, you know, I think it, it just bodes well overall for the defense that, you know, some of these other individuals that uh, I don't want to say that we were completely surprised, but you know, the fact that they had such strong performances, I, I think that just bodes well for the defense going forward. Yeah. So CJ Stroud was 24 of 34 with two touchdowns, 223 yards, no interceptions, was sacked just once. Uh, Tyler Buckner on the other side, 10 of 18 after that hot start. So I think he hit like his first eight or nine passes. So that meant he only completed a couple the rest of the game. Uh, he was sacked three times, no interceptions or touchdowns, 177 yards. That's not going to get it done against Ohio State. No, I think Tyler Buckner, I think, you know, he has nothing to be ashamed of per se, mm-hmm. but I think when you look at it as objectively as as we can from an Ohio State, you know, like he certainly is not at that stage in his career. I'm not saying he won't get there, but he's not in that stage in his career where he can carry the, the team, you know, with his performance. Like CJ Stroud, going back to something that you mentioned, I mean, the fact that, you know, he had, you know, you know, no interceptions. He also showed, I mean, in terms of, you know, some plays where he was, you know, scrambling outside of the pocket and making some clutch throws along mm-hmm. the sideline that a year ago, I don't even know if he would have necessarily even attempted. He might have just thrown that out of bounds uh, just to, you know, to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw an interception, but I'm not yeah. going to take the sack. So I think there's just, you could see that there was a, a different maturity level between CJ Stroud versus Tyler Buckner. Yeah, there were there were two throws that I thought he was throwing away. They ended up both being complete. One to Harrison and one to uh, Mayan Williams. Yes, uh, and I think they were both third down plays. He really did a good job. There were there's still some opportunities to run that he's turning down. Um, there was one where he stepped up in the pocket, looked like he had 15 yards he could have run, and instead threw a pass downfield about 25 yards, and it was incomplete. So uh, you'd still like to see that. We you know he. He talked in the offseason about running more this year, but that doesn't seem to have matriculated onto the field, although he did have a quarterback sneak for a first down. Yep, we'll see. I mean, it's one game. Uh, let's see that, you know, in the next next few, maybe he'll see some some things from the opposing defense and maybe he'll step up and, and take those yards, like you said. Mm-hmm. Now, Ross Fulton mentioned online that there were a lot of RPOs called in, in the first half and uh, CJ was pulling and throwing. Uh, I'd be interested to read a follow-up on uh, for him if, and see if he uh, notes like how many times that was the right read versus the incorrect read. Right. Very good point. Uh, running the ball, Travion Henderson, 91 yards, 15 carries. Mayan Williams had 84 yards on 14 carries. Both of them averaged over six yards uh, per carry, so that was good. Um, Chris Tyree for Notre Dame had 28 yards rushing and Audric uh, Esteem uh, 21 yards carrying the ball and Buckner ran for 18. So they were not effective in the run game at all. And that's kind of where, where I was saying a few moments ago that, all right, the running game wasn't working. Tyler Buckner right now, if that, if that's not working, that, that just makes, that just makes Tyler Buckner's job that much more difficult. He's, he's not Mm -hmm. at that stage where he can carry the, he, as a passer, he can't carry that offense. So that's, that, is commendable by the Ohio State defense that they clamped down on that Notre Dame running game. Yeah, it was a little annoying that Lorenzo Styles was the one that broke that tackle and went 50, uh, 54 yards. <laughs> oh, I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, then he ended up with uh, just the 54 yards. Michael Meyer had that 32 yards on five catches. Uh, they were able to ride their tight ends, and they should because they got good tight ends. Uh, and Ohio State has historically struggled to cover tight ends. And, um, Regardless of personnel, regardless of coaching, uh, tight ends are good. Maybe, maybe Ryan Day should open up his heart to the year of the tight end. Yeah, but you know, getting back to Michael McMire, um, he wasn't as much of a factor as as we thought. I mean, I yeah. I would say that offensively, that was the biggest concern I had in terms of you're talking about a guy who is projected to be. The, the first tight end in the 2023 NFL draft, uh, pot- you know, first rounder, he really wasn't as much of a factor against Ohio State as 
I thought he potentially could have been, mm -hmm. again, I think is a credit to the Ohio State defense. Yeah, I think Steel Chambers did a good job when he was on him. And um, he was targeted eight times. He had five catches. But again, most of those were pretty short. He had the one where he fumbled it in the open field and it bounced back to him because, you know, luck of the Irish, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but um, overall, Ohio State did a good job on, uh, you know, both against the run and the pass. Uh, for Ohio State, Agbuka had he was targeted eleven times, had nine catches for ninety yards. He had fifty-two yards after catch, and the touchdown. Marvin Harrison, we mentioned fifty-six yards. Cade Stover uh, flashed. He had uh, three catches for fourteen yards, and um, of course Xavier Johnson uh, was uh, sort of the the hidden star there for uh, Ohio State with the he had uh, a couple of catches, but of course the touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown was the the big one. So. Good night for the Buckeyes. They get the win. Uh, just to uh, think that that pretty much puts the cap on it. I don't. I don't think that uh, you know a lot of the things that we thought might happen never really happened because Ohio State kind of kept things clean. Yeah, and I guess just uh, the way I looked at this game, <clears throat> this was a great opponent to start the season with because. We've seen that the defense is improved. I'm not saying that it's, you know, there's always room for improvement, but this this defense is significantly improved compared to last year. And I look at, you can take the results of this, not only apply them to the upcoming opponents like Arkansas State and Toledo, but more importantly, this is a good blueprint for when Wisconsin comes to town because, again, similar style of play, you know, very, you know, very physical ball control. So you 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 know full well that that if you listen to the coaches and and the scheme is, is implemented correctly that you know good results can happen. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that uh, should wrap up our Notre Dame discussion. Unless you have anything else on your mind you want to talk about? No. Let's move it forward. All right. Well, we've still got our look ahead at the other Big Ten results this weekend. We've got to talk about Arkansas State. And uh, we'll get to all of that right after this. And we're back, Chip. It is time to take our weekly walk through the other Big Ten results. Some surprises and uh, a lot of non-surprises as well. Uh, and I'm going to start, well, well let's just go chronologically Penn State at Purdue, and this was a game I thought Purdue might be able to win, and had they not had a disastrous end to each half of the game, they would have won. Absolutely. I think this is the kind of game where Jeff Brom uh, will get well-deserved criticism for clock management, uh, not running the ball. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, this, this is the kind of thing where, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Sean Clifford uh, credit, you know, the fact that, yeah, he, for most of the game, you know, you know, had, had his share of mistakes and, uh, was not necessarily setting the world on fire, but, you know, <laughs> when, when it came, when it came time to, you know, in the, in the closing moments, he delivered and, you know, I, I go back to it, you know, Penn's, uh, excuse me, Purdue, uh, some of the things I was watching it on the, on a replay today on uh, big 10 network. And when you start looking at the fact that Purdue could have forced Penn State to use up their timeouts, you know, just mm -hmm. by running the ball, I mean, Purdue has only themselves to blame for, mm -hmm. for losing that game. Yeah, I mean, and at the end of the first half, they have the ball in scoring position, they turn it over, and then they give up a touchdown on a ridiculous play that wasn't even designed to, to go the distance. It ends up going the distance because they don't tackle. Exactly. So that was at least a 10 point swing at the end of the first half and they end up losing 35, 31. But then again, as you said, clock management was terrible. If they just run the ball throughout the second half, four more times, Penn state doesn't have time to come back and win the game. Exactly. That's, that's how, when you watch it, it it's even more, I mean, when you rewatch it, I should say, um, you know, it's just that much, even much more frustrating. Yeah. So Purdue looks uh, again, pretty sharp on offense. They don't look that good defensively, so it doesn't seem like much has changed to West Lafayette, and um, that was one that they should have won and, and could have won, and James Franklin gets uh, away with uh, a road 
victory at Purdue. Uh, Minnesota had no trouble with New Mexico State, 38-0 at home. That's not a surprise. And we go into Friday night. And Friday night, again, one non-surprise and one surprise. Michigan State handles Western Michigan 35-13. Looks like they have a running back to replace their departed star running back. So Berger ran for 120 yards. Peyton Thorne looks like he's going to be pretty good again this year. And on the other side, the more surprising one, this was a game I thought Illinois had to have to become bowl eligible this year. They lose to Indiana 23-20. Yeah, I mean, watching it from the varsity club, it was it was a surprise. Um, you know, it seemed as though Illinois, I mean, that, that they had certainly opportunities to, to win this game that they just squandered. Uh, mm-hmm. Credit to Indiana for for fighting, you know, you know, to to pull it out. But I agree with you. I think this was a game that Illinois, when you're when you're tallying up, trying to get that magical number of six, Illinois needed this game, and they just squandered that opportunity. Yeah, Connor Bazelik, uh with a good outing, his first timeout with Indiana, twenty eight of fifty two for three hundred thirty yards and a touchdown. Brown, the running back for Illinois, had a big day, one hundred ninety nine yards. Uh, Illinois just they should have won that game and they just, they just couldn't put it away. Uh, Saturday, of course, Ohio state beats Notre Dame in the evening game, Michigan, no trouble with Colorado state 51 to seven there. And uh, it didn't look like Cade McNamara had a very good start to this game, but it it didn't really matter. This wasn't going to be a a game that they needed the quarterback to win the game for them. Uh, Lots of backups in that game. Uh, Wisconsin beats Illinois State 38-0. Again, uh, no surprise there. Iowa, my goodness, did they struggle at home against South Dakota State. They win at 7-3, and the only way they got to 7 was a couple of safeties. uh, Believe it or not, one of my close friends from high school, uh, his daughter attends Iowa, and to say that... uh, I, you know, let, let's just, let I'll, I'll just say, I know we're a family oriented podcast. Uh, some of the texts I was receiving from him that the fact that he actually paid money to be in the stadium to, to witness such a thing. Um, he was less than happy with what he, what he paid to see. Yeah. Uh, so Iowa gets the win. Congrats Hawkeyes, <laughs> but it was not yeah. a pretty one and a lot of work there to be done, uh, for Kirk Ferentz's team. Uh, Maryland, no real trouble with Buffalo, 31-10 win at home. Rutgers went to Boston College, and this is one of those ones that Rutgers needed to have a chance to become bowl eligible this year, and they get the late win against Boston College, 22-21. to The Fighting Shianos defeat the Fighting Halflies. Yeah, and again, remember when I said you know this was just more of a a gut call on my part when I picked Boston College because it was at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I said that they were pretty evenly matched. I mean, the fact that Rutgers won by one point, uh, I think Rutgers used multiple cu- quarterbacks throughout they did. Mm-hmm. the game. So it's a kind of thing where I, I think it just kind of speaks to the tenacity that Greg Schiano is instilling in the Scarlet Knights. I think that, again, they are no longer an, you know an easy pushover game uh, the fact they went on the road, got this, got this win, like you said, similar to Illinois, they need they need all they can to get to that magic number of six. So this is certainly something they should be happy about. Yeah. And then Nebraska, they ended up pulling away, but uh, they had a dog fight against North Dakota at home, and uh, fans in Lincoln you know, breathing a little easier after the win, but certainly not satisfied as a. That was 7-7 at halftime, and it was, uh, I believe, 24-17 after three quarters. So a 38-17 win against North Dakota at home is not going to make Cornhusker fans feel like Scott Frost has fixed everything. No, especially when you're talking about an FCS opponent. I mean, these are Mm -hmm. the kind of things, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it's just the reality of the situation. Nebraska fans are used to steamrolling opponents like this. I mean, back in the day, Tom Osborne, I mean, this is where you would have seen the the box score would have been something like 60 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that, like you said, it was, it was a close game until, you know, late in the contest when Nebraska pulled away, it certainly gives you the impression that Nebraska is going to have a very challenging year in 2022. 
yeah, and maybe just not a great idea to to schedule teams like that. I mean, we've saw we saw some escapes this past weekend. I mean, uh, North Carolina had to stop a two point conversion to keep from losing Appalachian State, and uh, I mean, there were sometimes there are some schools out there you just should never schedule. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Service academies being the foremost. Yeah. So. Uh, anything else uh, we need to talk about the rest of the Big Ten slate? No, I think we're good. All I think right. we're good. Look at that. Look at us. We are just cruising right along uh, <laughs> in our programming here. Uh, of course, this weekend uh, looks like this. Ohio State will play at noon against Arkansas State. We will talk about the Red Wolves in a few minutes. Uh, Western Illinois visits Minnesota. That should be another cakewalk for the Gophers. Um Duke and Northwestern play in the Nerd Bowl in Evanston. Uh, Ohio U will be uh, visiting Penn State. Uh, Washington State, the Cougs, will play at Wisconsin in a matchup of 1-0 teams. Uh, Maryland actually goes to Charlotte, so that's an interesting matchup. Charlotte's played twice already this year, but they haven't won any games. Akron will visit Michigan State, so look for Sparty to win there. Uh, Iowa State and Iowa, the uh, Children of the Corn annual battle there. Uh, Iowa better find some offense, and um, uh, otherwise they they might be in trouble in that game. Virginia will visit Illinois. Indiana State visits Purdue. Wagner visits Rutgers. Some guy named Wagner is showing up to play Rutgers. Uh, <laughs> Georgia Southern against Nebraska. Hopefully Nebraska can take care of that game. Uh, Hawaii. 0-2 Hawaii, they're due. They're due, Chip. Hawaii's due for a win at 0-2, and they visit the big house to play Michigan. Oh, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a bloodbath. Uh, um, well, you know, I no, I think Michigan has a chance. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and, and then Idaho uh, visits Indiana as they get all of the I states uh, together, <laughs> and uh, and that will be eight o'clock on Big Ten Network. Uh, so, uh, anything there you're interested in watching other than Ohio state? Uh, not really. I mean, truth be told, I mean, this is, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, non-conference games, you know, obviously, you know, like I give a lot of credit to Ohio state for scheduling Notre Dame. Hmm. Um, you know, these are, you know, unfortunately it's one of these things where sometimes the non-conference opponents, it's, it's difficult to get quality opponents, you know, for every game. Um, we'll talk, we'll talk about Arkansas state here in a minute. Um, but you know, when you reference the big 10, they seem to, you know, when it comes to their non-conference, they, they have this kind of collective mentality of let's, let's, you know, have, I don't want to say easy wins, but perceived easy wins early in the season, the sec does it in the second to last week of the season. I mean, it's the kind of thing where the big 10 is knee deep in, you know, conference, you know, conference opponents that can, can determine who's going to, who's going to possibly, you know, win the division and you'll see, you know, Alabama or Georgia or whoever in the sec playing comparable opponents to the ones that we just discussed. So just a matter of timing and, and a, a matter of philosophy, in my opinion. All right. When you said knee deep, I thought you were going to say in the hoopla after that. <laughs> Not at all. No, I would never say that. No, never no say not that. knee deep in the hoopla. Ohio State, Arkansas State, uh, Buckeyes open a 44-point favorites in this game. Again, we are not the gambling show. If you're if you're looking for lines and, and what you should bet, this is not the show for you. Uh, but just to get it out there, what Vegas thinks that this game is going to look like, uh, 44 points is the spread that they put on the game. And the Red Wolves, if you don't know much about Arkansas State, well, they were horrendous last year. And they have uh, a coach you may have heard of, Butch Jones. Yeah. And they also have a defensive coordinator, a familiar name um, to, you know, Ohio State fans. Um, Rob Harley is the defensive coordinator, was a member of the, we we talked earlier in the, in the podcast about the 2002 national championship team. Mm -hmm. Rob Harley was on that, on that team is now the defensive coordinator. Rob Harley oversaw a defense that was was pretty bad last year. Um, but you know, uh, Arkansas State is one and zero by virtue mm-hmm. of I mean a 
just a just a they a whoop and they put on on Grambling um, FCS school. Yep, FCS school. So um, they've they're already halfway to their uh, 2021 win total. Uh, Arkansas State went two and ten last year. They're one and zero so far in, in 2022. Yeah, they won 58 to three over Grambling in game one at home. If they if the Buckeyes cover the spread, that is quite a turnaround points wise from one week one to week two. Yeah, I just it it's one of these things where I'm not saying that Ohio State isn't going to be able to to put points on Arkansas State. I just you know we talked earlier about the the Jackson Smith and Jigba injury, mm-hmm. the fact that that he's going to probably be withheld. I really do see this as as a game where uh, Ohio State establishes a lead, and they're just going to use this as an opportunity to get some of those younger players, you know, like Kyle McCord, for example, who is the the the, the you know the backup, or Devin Brown, who's a true freshman, get as many young players in for that valuable game experience. It really doesn't matter if you if you don't cover the point spread, as yeah. long as you know you're. You know, we talked about the Jackson Fifth and Jigba injury. The fact that it's a hamstring, you and I know, I think our listeners know, those are the kind of things that, if not properly taken care of, can linger, and you don't want mm-hmm. that to become an issue. So if I was Ryan Day and the coaching staff, is let's win this game in whatever way possible, if that means, all right, we're going to pick up where we left off with the running game against Notre Dame and do the same thing against Arkansas State, fine. If that means that we're going to work on the passing game to try and get those other wide receivers that you mentioned, like Igbuka, hopefully Fleming is, is healthy enough to play. Uh, you know, Jaden Ballard was one of these guys that that played last week. Yeah. If, if we're going to try and get them comfortable, fine. And then in the second half, let's work on, all right, let's get our backups in because you never know. I mean, that's the one thing that I always go back to. You and I have, have done this enough that Ohio State fans, you know, when you when you think all, you know, all is well, we know full well when you when you talk about like in 2014, uh, you know, the fact that Ohio State had to go down to their third string quarterback. Now, granted, um, Cardell Jones rose to the occasion, but I just think I'm always a big advocate of getting as many of your backups in when possible once the game is well established and in hand, mm-hmm. getting them that valuable game experience. And I'm sure he will. I think, though, that um, Arkansas State, unfortunately for them, I think they're going to be the recipients of Ryan Day wanting to get his passing game sharp. And I think that means an entire first half of C.J. Mm-hmm. Stroud throwing the football. I think that's what sure. we're going to get. and. And that could be a very, very lopsided uh, score at the end of the first half. And then you're going to see the backups as uh, as more people get a chance to play. For Arkansas State, you're going to see a familiar face in running back Brian Sneed. He used to be at Ohio State before he was dismissed from the program for, well, reasons we don't need to get into. And then he went to JUCO for a while and then uh, emerged at Arkansas State. He had um, 12 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown last week in the opener. He's uh, a junior, he's backing up Johnny Lang, a senior who carried 13 times for 124 yards and a touchdown. So uh, that's going to be the running game for Arkansas State. I don't anticipate that being a problem for the Buckeye defense. Um, if, you know, Jim Knowles' defense continues to do what it did against Notre Dame, the passing game, you will may remember a name, James Blackman's their quarterback. He started at Florida mm-hmm. State, and uh, he was 15 of 20 in the opener for 210 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Again, you can't really do much with these numbers against Grambling, but um, just throwing them out there. And uh, their top receiver has an excellent name, Champ Flemings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Champ had seven catches, 422 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he's a senior. So those are the names that you should probably uh, be on the lookout for. I'm sure Sneed will play very hard against the Buckeyes, considering he used to be among them. Uh, and uh, but again, I, this is a team that was pretty bad last year. And even if they're very much improved this year, I don't expect the Red Wolves to present that much of a challenge for Ohio State. If it's close at the end of the first quarter, uh, I'm certainly not going to panic. I think it will be a blowout. I don't know if it'll be a 44 point blowout, but I think it'll be a blowout. Right. I I, I think if anything, 
you know, just kind of my initial impressions of Jim Knowles, I think this is going to be the kind of game where, yeah, it's it's difficult to have everybody at that fever pitch, right? You know, in terms of mm-hmm. like, okay, like everyone was, it, it, you know, especially when it was Notre Dame, but like the season opener and, you know, everybody's ready to go. Um, yeah, you're not going to be as stoked for Arkansas State, but I think this is an opportunity for the, the coaching staff, especially on the defensive side, to say, okay, we're, we're looking for that level of intensity to, to try. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but to, to try to, hey, let's, let's shut these guys out. Let's, you know, like people are talking about you guys positively. Let's take it up a notch. You know, let's, let's show them that, that last week against Notre Dame was, was not a fluke. Let's, you know, even if it's against Arkansas State, let's, let's play our best. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm anticipating on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think there's some some things that the coaching staff can. It, we talked about this before on the show many times in the past about how you get the win, but the coaches still get to be mad about something, and <laughs> and, and yell yeah. at the players all week about it. And some of that would be you know tackling opportunities like that. Um, uh, they didn't have a takeaway last week, so I'm sure that Jim Knowles would like to have a takeaway to get that you know get that going, get that mentality of taking the ball. Uh, so these are the things that I think will be, I'll be looking for from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but you know they're going to line up on noon. We're going to kick off. We're going to have a big nude kickoff as we uh, sometimes do. And uh, although this one's on Big Ten Network, not on on Big Fox. That is correct. I don't know why is, Fox yeah. didn't want this this game, but <laughs> oh yeah, it's kind of uh, what a tough call. Arkansas, uh, excuse me, Alabama, Texas, or Ohio State, Arkansas State. That that was a tough call. No, I mean, I'm just burnt out on Alabama. Get them out of here. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's do our picks to click. And uh, we started on offense last week. So I'm going to hand it to you to start on defense this week. Who's your defensive pick to click for the Buckeyes? I'm going to go. I'm going to make it three games in a row for uh, emerging fan favorite Tommy Eichenberg. I'm going to say that Tommy Eichenberg is going to pick up where he's left off from the last two games. I think this is the kind of game you rattled off the fact that, you know, Brian Sneed, um, you know, and the fact that they do have a running game that again, against Grambling, uh, you know, he was part of a group effort that went for, you know, well over 300 yards. But I think this is the kind of, you know, opportunity for, for Tommy Eichenberg to, to have another solid performance. Okay. Uh, no problems with the pick there. I have, this is one of those games I'm struggling with because I, I don't know how long the starters will be in and how many stats they'll be able to rack up, especially defensive players who rotate anyway. So um, I'm going to go ahead and stay with Jack Sawyer this week because he didn't have any stats last week. Let's see if he gets some stats this week. I think against this competition, I would expect him to have a sack or two and maybe force a fumble or something, uh, which he was not able to wasn't able to get involved. It didn't mean he didn't play well. Uh, again, and Steel Chambers, who I thought did play very well, his numbers weren't like that. You know, they didn't jump off the page, but he played really well if you watch the game. Yes. So, all right. So there's Tommy Eichberg, Jack Sawyer. So let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. And I think, again, this is going to be a game where we're going to see some backups playing. But I think some of those young receivers are going to play deep in the game. I'm going to say that this is the game where we see a little bit of. A little bit more flash for Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm going to go with Marv. Okay, good call. Speaking of, and I and I don't consider him a backup. I consider him a co-starter. Mm-hmm. But I do think um, this is the kind of game where um, Mayan Williams. I think he's he's going to. I think Ohio State in their collective desire to be better in terms of short yardage. I, I could see him. You know. Kind of picking up where he left off and, and scoring a, a few touchdowns, especially in in the in the red zone, if they're you know you know right on the goal line. That you know, let's give it to Mayan Williams and see him bulldoze in for a few. All right, Chip. Score prediction time. <laughs> what do you got for me? And it's it's really bizarre because we have so similar of thoughts that I was looking at our uh, land grant holy land predictions story and it was uncanny how many that we had the same (laughs) even Um, like even like our bold predictions i think some of those were were kind of similar but um what do you got for your score prediction i've already written it down 
Okay, so I don't see, you know, I, I think you just said, you know, like the, the 44 points, but I don't see it being that dramatic. I, I think obviously Ohio State's going to win. Um, I think they're going to, everything we talked about previously, they're going to get the big lead. Let's put the backups in. I'm I'm looking at, honestly, like I'm thinking like a 42 to 7. That just something about it just kind of feels like Ohio State's up, you know, 28 nothing, 35 nothing, something like that. And it's like, all right. And I realize the fact that, you know, 42, if they're at 35 at the half, doesn't sound like a lot, but... Something about this game, it just seems to me like, okay, let's work on the fundamentals and let's get our backups into the game just kind of leads me to that kind of a score. All right. We're not too dissimilar again, uh, although a little bit more different than last week. Uh, I think they don't cover, but it is exceedingly close. I've got 49-6. It's a 43-point spread. There you go. One off from covering. Um Although I have 49 at seven touchdowns, I would like to see Noah Ruggles stick a couple field goals through the uprights after his miss against Notre Dame because, you know, I can't use my famous tweet, ain't no struggles with Noah Ruggles if he's struggling. <laughs> All right. So, just to, just to, so you can use your tweet. I okay. need to be able that, to use my tweet. In that, fact, I get I'm, it. I'm very upset about uh, George Washington the third. uh opening his commitment on the basketball side because, oh, did I have some historic tweets ready to go for the George Washington the third uh, era at Ohio State, but that's n- not looking like it's going to happen now. So, uh, uh, you know, you're ruining, these kids are ruining my Twitter game. There you go. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it's not intentional. <laughs> some I'm would sure say it's, uh, it's already ruined. <sighs> anyway, I, I think that's, I think that about covers it. You got anything else you want to discuss before we get on out of here? No, I mean, if anything, uh, you know, uh, we're like you said at the very onset, we are in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, you know, let's you know enjoy the, the the game against Arkansas State. Uh, look for an article on uh, land grant Holy Land dropping around noon Eastern. Um, three things to watch um, that I you know I did one for Notre Dame. I'll be doing one for Arkansas State. So you know and. You know, if anything, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how the, the grumpy old Buckeye does, you know, in terms of, you know, like if, if he's going to lay the blame on uh, Nor Ruggles for, you know, in terms of like not letting him excel at his tweet game next yeah, week. Yeah, I, I really, I really uh, fumbled that one. I, I should have put that one in uh, this week and I didn't. So, um, yeah, if Noah Ruggles continues to struggle, I will be, I will be putting that in for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's we're in this. We're a twelfth of the way through the regular season already. I know it's weird to look at it that way, but here we go. And I think that it's going to be fun, and um, I'm looking forward to it. If you guys want to hear from Chip and I, if you got questions for us, you can always hit us up on email at silverbulletspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's feedback or questions. We will, uh, you know, we'll read it on the air. So yeah, please uh, feel free to contact us, reach out, let us know what we're doing, how we're doing, what we're doing wrong. <laughs> if, exactly. if we're doing anything right, uh, let us know. Uh, or you can hit us up on Twitter, Silver Bullets Pod on Twitter, at Silver Bullets Pod, but there's no E in silver. It's S-I-L-V-R Bullets Pod on Twitter. So uh, you can also catch me at Mike36Fan on Twitter. And Chip, you are at Chip Minnick. On Twitter, and your last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. So it's your name, Chip Minnick, uh, as your Twitter handle. Correct. All right. Very good. And you are not only a regular contributor to Land Grant Holy Land, you also contribute to Athlon Sports. Yes. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's the kind of thing where uh, Athlon, sometimes in terms of the assignments, I, I don't always get to write about Ohio State. I Majority of the time I do, but... Uh, this is, this is why it's so great to be with land grant, Holy land. I get to write about Ohio state, you know, I guess you could say at least once a week on the three things to watch. There you go. And you can catch me on land grant, Holy as well. The grumpy old Buckeye has moved to land grant, Holy land. And my first grumpy old Buckeye dropped on labor day. Uh, it's going to drop around lunchtime every Monday. So, uh, check it out there. Find out all the things that made me yell at my cats during the game. And, um, you know, 
sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's really grumpy. Uh, I anticipate this Arkansas State game will be a lot more tongue-in-cheek grumpiness than actual legit grumpiness. I believe that's the case also. So hopefully that will be true of, of this upcoming week and also the week after against Toledo. We'll be back next week, Chip, to do this all again. We'll break down the Arkansas State game. We'll look ahead to Toledo. Maybe we'll have a guest. We'll reach out and see who's available. And, uh, yeah, we're in it. We're having fun. Season is underway. Craziness has already ensued across the land in, in some respects. So uh, it's a fantastic sport. I've already seen I've seen fake punts where the fake punter punted the ball seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage. I've seen uh, crazy last minute um, guys tackled in bounds with no timeouts, but they go to review. And so they give them an extra play, even though the clock would have run out had they not given them extra play. And then on that last play, they score a touchdown to tie the game. Only then they get the extra point blocked. I mean, there's just been insanity. Absolutely. That's why we love it. That's why we love college football. All right. That will do it for this edition of the Silver Bullets podcast. Thanks for listening. Check out all our stuff at Land Grant Holy Land. Thank you so much to the guys at uh, Matt and Gene over at uh, uh, Land Grant for giving us a new home. And uh, make sure you check out all the other podcasts on their stream and uh, subscribe to us, whether you subscribe to this stream uh, that's dedicated specifically uh, to Silver Bullets podcast or to the entirety of the Land Grant stream. Uh, you can catch us every week. So uh, thanks for listening. Nothing left for us to do, but we what we do at the end every week, and that's to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks.